0: Right now on Tech Radio, Samsung have just released their new phone, and there's only one word
1: for it Wow. Hi, I'm Artemis. I am a computer generated AI voice, and you're listening to Tech Radio.
0: Every week online and on air with RT, Radio and Extra, we bring you the very latest into tech. This is episode 1002, and this week, as well as a full lowdown on Samsung's phone, we have news on Ireland's new tech revenue stream worth billions, and how Apple are making the most of a near-plane crash to promote their phones. We're also chatting about the melting together of AI and social media with Mary Rose Lyons from the Institute of AI Studies.com. Let's go on it. From
1: techcentral.ie, this is Tech Radio Episode 1000 with Dusty Rhodes and Niall Kitson.
0: As always, our editor-in-chief is here. Uh, Niall, now you've got the Google Pixel 8 phone. So I think essentially you have an awful lot of the things that have just been announced to the Samsung S24. I don't.
2: <laughs> I don't actually, and that's really that's, that's what made this announcement so interesting. Okay. I mean, I know you watched it and you were I you were did, pretty and,
0: wrapped. and there was an awful lot of stuff in there that I do remember being announced for the uh, uh, for the Pixel Eight, especially mm. with the photography and the editing and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, some, but you're, you're some kind of it
2: is branded though. I mean, yeah. Samsung love to talk about their nightography, uh, and they've sort of I don't want to say double down, but they've you know they've tried to really ram that brand home. Uh, again, with this uh, release of the S twenty four, I mean, usually when we sit down to look at a phone release, you can you can knock off very quickly the things that you're interested in. What's the screen like? What's the battery life? And what's the camera like?
0: But it's all very samey samey, and mm. that, that's and why that's I, I was I was so impressed with yesterday because we've had years of that mm. bigger camera, bigger processor, more RAM, more battery life. Uh, yeah, your eyes are like drooping. Yeah. Yesterday, How much of any up. of that am I actually going to use? Uh, but there is an awful lot of that as well with the phones. But yesterday, what I was delighted with was Samsung came out and we have a rake of really useful things mm. that you can do with a phone that you have not been able to do up until now. Yep. All right. And it seems to be that they've kind of gotten together with Google on a lot of things. Mm. And it seems to be that, I, the best way I can describe it is, we've had AI for a year, which means that, Samsung has been working with AI for a year Mm -hmm. and has now done something with it. And I think it's important to stress that it's
2: Samsung themselves working with AI, not Samsung, oh, our partner company x has optimized things to work with no they went away themselves and they came back
0: true it's kind of the thing that apple is going to do with ai Mm -hmm. when they announce it in 2032 (laughs) 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 meow so anyway listen there were five things there's five things that stood out for me with uh, samsung and the s24 which they announced and and they are all ai related okay i think the The one that is on the Google phone—that this is why I thought you were using—is a circle to search. Oh yeah, very, very.
2: You've used this.
0: I haven't used it. Oh my goodness! I haven't used any of this stuff. What's the point? You're a tech journalist. I barely answered my phone. (laughs) The latest phone, (laughs) and here you are. I barely. Oh my goodness! You're a disaster. I can text you. It gets worse. So anyway, uh, what I I love, I love this on several things. Right, circle to search. All right, okay, right. Everything they're showing, they have literally taken because you know when you're holding your phone. All right, Mm. the only digit that you have free really is
2: your thumb. Yeah, right. or or as they seem to think, a stylus. But that's neither here nor there. But so how does how does this work?
0: Well, basically, it's kind of when you have your phone. On, if you see something on your phone that you want to look up and find out more about, okay, you just hold the home button for like two seconds, and then you draw a circle around whatever it is that you're looking at on your screen. It mm. could be text, it could be photo, it could be part of a photo. They were giving examples where they had a picture of a model, and somebody put a circle just around the dress, and of course, immediately Google uh, throws up you know three or four pictures of that exact address and where you can buy it. Now, uh, I am highly sceptical of that working in real life. <laughs> and that's based on my usage of Google, which lately, when I ask it a question, seems to give me a whole load of nonsense back, which I'm not interested in at right. all. Google's getting worse, however But the other thing I like about the the circle to search is the name, mm-hmm. okay? Because that describes perfectly what it is. Yeah, nice Just brand. draw a circle around it and search. You're nice done, feature. all right? yeah. Super easy to use. Mm. I mean, this is, that it's just brilliant on so many levels. I'm really, really delighted with it, all right? Mm -hmm. Circuit of Search is one. Uh, The other which I'm interested in is um, translations. Now, they do live translations on text. We've seen this before Mm -hmm. on um, on what you call uh, Google Translate. But the demonstration that they were giving is, this is a translation that you can do on a phone call. Yeah if you're calling somebody in Spain uh, or France or Germany or whatever, you will speak into your phone in English and then an AI voice will immediately translate that into German, mm-hmm. which will be perfectly understood by the German person who will replace it, reply in German. I'm using that as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that will be immediately translated uh, into English so you can understand it and you can have a flawless conversation.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now, there's there's an issue with this, but let's, let's keep going through the language uh, stuff because I think there is an awful lot of... Cool stuff. Yes, the instantaneous Mm -hmm. translation is great, great Mm -hmm. for business meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, uh, when it comes to meetings, it can differentiate up to 20 different voices. So, if you're doing a transcription of uh, you're, a meeting.
0: Grant, you're moving on to something else. Okay, please. moving on to something you, else. You are, you're one step ahead. Okay. which is not like you. That's it. A- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had a saucer of milk before we came on. So, <laughs> the thing about the translations, though, is that I, I'm looking with skepticism at the demonstration. and then I'm reading some reviews of people who were there and Mm -hmm. they said it didn't quite work that flawlessly okay Mm -hmm. and then uh, and the, 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 the test that they did at the launch was with actors or whatever in another language they were calling a special number so everybody knew what was going on Mm. okay I'm wondering where if you need to make a call to somebody in Germany and you just call them off the fly especially in the next year or two Mm. you know when people aren't used to this and they hear this auto, somebody going and then all of a sudden it's translated by a a machine voice into something they can will they reply or will they go what the hell is this and hang on
2: There is a lot can go wrong with that because if you are unfamiliar with a number mm. and you're hit with this robocall-style mm-hmm. voice, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm clearly not talking to a person.
0: Am I being scammed here? Mm. Exactly, um, exactly. Do you know what I think is the worst thing that could go wrong with this? Uh, no, go, go on. This, this is something you've never thought of, okay? Uh, because if you ever read the Bible, all right, and mm-hmm. we, we've all heard Bible stories as we were growing up, mm-hmm. one of the great stories about the Tower of Babel where Uh, essentially uh, what mankind was doing was they were getting better and better in building and they wanted to build a tower so high that it would reach into the sky and go directly to heaven, Mm. right? And this angered the god uh, or god or whatever it is you perceive him to be uh, so much that he uh, struck down the tower, number one, and then number two, changed everybody's language so that they were all speaking each other's languages and couldn't communicate properly together to build another tower. I I see the point you're about to make here. Exactly. So now we have overcome that problem of all the various languages and now we're all able to speak the same language again and communicate flawlessly. Does that mean that God, or whatever you presume him to be, is going to shoot down a thunderbolt of lightning into uh, South Korea and annihilate Samsung?
2: Well, there's one person would love that,
0: as as we know. Yes. Hi, Tim. Thanks for listening. I was going to say hi, Kim, but anyway. um, And Kim, yes. Tim and Kim. Tim Tim from Apple, Kim Kim from North Um, Korea.
2: (laughs) No, there there is, um, you know, there's a lot of truth to that allegory because Mm. what we are assuming is that the languages people will be Uh, speaking to that will be translated will actually be done accurately. Mm. And this is something that speaks to what they're doing with their voice recorder as well, where you can sort of differentiate between different voices Mm. and take your, um, have your conversation or whatever. However, any sort of language model or any sort of translation model is subject to the data that it's based on, yes. right? Yeah. Now, if you have a conversation about today's meme, tomorrow's fad, a line of toys coming down the line, oh, a very specific kind of slang or language or anything like that, the language model that you're working with will try and take that, take that sound of that word and try and squish it into something familiar, right? So it might think that you, I, a great example that I saw in one video was to do a Pokemon where somebody was having a conversation with somebody else about a particular Pokemon. Uh, and of course, the language model didn't recognise the name of the Pokemon and made a best guess, effectively, as to what they were talking about. Uh, and it was inaccurate. You know, it was, it was wrong. Yeah. So in the same way that ChatGPT is inaccurate, Beyond 2021, because that's the data set that they were working with, you have to look at translation models as being inaccurate because they are good until, you know, the day that they are loaded into the phone, which is part of, uh, and this is sideways a little bit as well, but I think it's an important point to mention, is that so much is on-device in the S24 versus in the cloud. So even though it's image editor which is really good is in the cloud, its um, translation features are on the device, right? Yeah. Therefore they are more secure, but are all and can't be mined by uh, Samsung or Google or yeah. whoever uh, to make them better, but it does mean that, you know, it won't learn
0: and it won't learn terms going into the future. So because it's on device then, it means that it's not able to keep up with with, with what's happening and changing tastes or news stories or whatever. And we yeah, see exactly. this with, with chat, uh, uh, GPT a lot. Yeah. And it goes, oh, my information is only up to January 2022 yeah. or
2: whatever. And and we see it in, uh, you know, AI uh, as one of the projects that we were we met last week at the Young Scientists, uh, where basically AI content moderation couldn't keep up with certain topics because the slang around them uh, kept yeah. changing. Yeah. So... This is a problem that language models and translation models are, are going to have, especially okay. if they're on device and they can't grow and they can't learn. Um, so anyway, other, other stuff you
0: like. Yeah, well, you're kind of veering into the, the whole notes thing. And, and yeah. So just kind of bring us up to speed and put that away. Uh, with the note creation, uh, you're quite right, it will do the, tra- the transcription with all of the problems that you've just outlined there. It can ID the voices up to 20 voices. I think, though, because we've seen this with uh, uh, AIs that we use for transcription. mm Already. And it does get an awful lot of things wrong, all right? But it gets 90% of it correct. What I find these things are very good at and where I think the Samsung will excel at is um, where it is able to do a summary of what was spoken about. mm and it's able to give you that summary in bullet points Mm. and I think that's fantastic. So if you're going to a meeting, you just leave your phone there, you put on the the voice recorder and record everything and will identify that there are several different voices even if it doesn't know the names but then when you say give me a summary of the meeting Mm. and the action point, it could be really, really good for that. The other thing on the uh, note creation which I thought was really good, you mentioned the pen, of course the Samsung, the the S24 Ultra will have the pen built into it. Mm. Um, If you do your handwriting, it is able to, well, allegedly, tidy up your handwriting so Mm. other people can read it this will be fantastic for doctors actually that's that's the (laughs) test that's the test we'll give it to a doctor and we'll see if the AI can make any sense of it (laughs) and we will see so that's on the note creations that was the third thing then the fourth thing I think is weird It's like kind of chat assist, all right? So when you're writing a text, Mm. all right, uh, so you can kind of go, uh, hi, hon, uh, I'm on my way home. Um, I'm not in the mood for cooking. Uh, Let's do curry or or whatever, like, you know. And uh, then the phone will go, would you like to send this as a more formal text?
2: Yeah, this stood out to me. (laughs) I I was like, this is bonkers.
0: Now, bonkers,
2: bonkers good or bonkers bad? No, this is like, do you have any human to human communication skills whatsoever that you need help differentiating between hello and hi basically
0: (laughs) you know and if you wanted to do that depending on the situation of course there are some people who go hello there are people who say hi uh, whichever Um, uh, but you would that's how you would write it yeah it'd be like
2: you know it's, it's look you're talking to your mate. You don't yeah. need to sign off with yeah. kind regards at the
0: end of it. It's yeah. not a skill. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's just bonkers useless, actually, more than anything else. The, the chat assist. Can I give a shout out yes. to the ability to create your
2: own emojis from your pictures oh, as well? Oh, right. I missed that. You, you can okay, do that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, if, you know, say Dusty's expression is shorthand for shut up, Nile.
0: Uh, (laughs) that's my normal face you're talking about
2: go on I can can just you know uh, crop that image out of a portrait of you and just use that uh, because that's a personal
0: shorthand Wow. Mm. And, and you're able to use that then in text and send yep. it on to people and all that kind of sure stuff. Can. Yeah, sure can. That's amazing. I, I, I completely missed that. Okay, that's a, go. a good one. The last thing that I had on the AI side of things mm-hmm. was uh, photo editing. And yeah. there's, uh, there's a lot of this stuff we have seen with Google mm. where you're able to, can, you know, kind of circle a person in, in a photo and then move them mm. from somewhere else. And the example they were giving in the demonstration was somebody who was uh, shooting a ball towards a hoop uh, in a basketball mm. and uh, they cut that person out and move them from the ground uh, up closer to the net so it looked like they just jumped up and we're trying to sure. put the ball in and, and, and whatever. Um, those kind of, I like, uh, I've seen the Google demonstrations and you can do this on the Pixel phones if you're a Google client. Is uh, So say for example, it the, the example that I saw, a child uh, sitting on a bench with balloons or something like that, all right? But the end of the bench is cut off mm. and it just kind of disturbs the composition of the photograph. So what they did was they said, all right, well, let's move the entire photograph over to the right and let the AI then draw in the sky and the mm. wall and the bench as the way it would have it uh, been if we'd t- taken it that way. And they've brought all this to the Samsung S24, which mm. I think is great. Uh, little things like if there's a shadow uh, on a glass or, or anything or a reflection or something like that, it can take them out. Mm. All right, so you get a nicer uh, picture and, and stuff. Loads of, like, really nice AI features. And I think they're simple enough that regular people would use them. Yeah. You know, because there's so many things that are built into these photo editing things that most people won't use them. Do you know, mm-hmm. I'm looking back. Actually, do you know what? I'm, going, I'm going to do it now because I had thought about it the other day. Uh, the, the cameras and the phones are fantastic. They are. They yeah, are yeah. fantastic. Okay, that's a so short version. Over the last week. Over the last week, okay, I have taken a picture of a dinner. Mm-hmm. I've taken a short picture of a, a walk I was on. Mm-hmm. I've taken a picture of a parking ticket that was put onto my car. Mm-hmm. I've taken a picture. Of a road sign. Mm-hmm. I've taken a picture of an error message that came up on my computer, and I've taken a screenshot of the new Samsung S24. Okay,
2: so uh, let me let me hold you there, right? Like, <laughs> which of those required a 200 megapixel camera?
0: Precisely. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Even if I go like with with photographs, I have a picture of a, an airplane flying over my house. A picture of my wife, uh, which absolutely needs no touching up whatsoever. Of course not. Uh, I've got a picture of a big wheel. Uh, I've got a picture of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a picture of several pictures of glasses of wine. Uh, <laughs> I I don't need a 200 megapixel camera. But for people who are into... Do you know who uses... A friend of mine is a social media uh, creator. He mm-hmm. loves all this. Mm. He will be all over this. Well, if he didn't love Apple so much, mm. uh, he will be all over this. But they're, they're the kind of people who would make good use of these mm. AI features. Yep. For normal, everyday people like myself... <laughs> um, I'm not so sure. Anyway.
2: Well, uh, one thing I was impressed about in the cameras is the, uh, well, I think it shoots in 5K, mm-hmm. uh, five, 5K up to 8K, which of course is completely ridiculous, seeing yeah. as the human eye can't really, uh, it's it's not, there's a point at which it stops being able to uh, discern. Yeah. Um, but uh, it can go into slow motion pretty much, uh, at will. And slow motion for anyone that hasn't worked in uh, film, uh, which would be most people, yeah. back in the day you accomplished slow motion by running the camera at double speed.
0: Of course. And then when right. you play it back at normal speed, then yeah. everything is slower. So you know? Or it, even four times speed. Or whatever. Yeah.
2: So it requires an awful lot more stock, an awful lot more to use sort of the, the current term, processing power yeah. to make it work. Yeah. So um, the camera can actually alternate between going sort of regular speed. And then you just thought, OK, well, I want to slow that down. Yeah, yeah, OK, it'll do slow motion uh, on command yeah. uh, without losing resolution. So that's pretty damn good stuff. Again, AI at work. Uh, and if you happen to be shooting
0: in slow motion from the get go, it can slow down even more using yeah. AI. They're also using uh, AI. They're using AI and digital zoom and regular zoom. And so mm. this is one of the things they had a 10 times optical zoom camera mm. in the phone, mm. all right? Now, the optical zoom is the best that you can get, all right? But it just wasn't, because of 10 times optical zoom, they weren't able to keep the megapixel rate as high as they would like on the sensor. Mm. So what they've done now is they've gone, it sounds like backwards, right? They've taken the 10-time optical zoom out of the phone and they've made a five-time optical zoom. Mm-hmm. But they have increased significantly the megapixel counts, the number of pixels that are in that actual Mm -hmm. photo that it takes. So then when you zoom in on it, because there's more pixels, the thing will look clearer. And Mm. then they will also use AI to sharpen it up even more. There be the theory. So that's another thing that they have done with the camera. The slow-mo, as you say. What else? I had... Uh, uh, just a note on the hardware, because I'm almost done now on the S24, uh, the hardware, very similar, I thought, to the iPhone, the Pro Max or to the Google Pixel 8 uh, Pro. Um, and the other thing that I thought was really welcome and another thing that Google announced was they are going to support this phone with software and security updates for seven years. Aha! Uh-huh. Just like the EU said they have to. <laughs> ah, that's why, is it? That's why, yeah. Oh, there's an EU thing. That's, uh, so they're, they're all going to do it for seven all years. Gonna say oh, right, they're okay.
2: all going to say, oh, look, this is the end of it. No, oh, you're being
0: made to do gosh. it. Here's me being nice about Samsung and go fair play them. There and really, it's, it's fair play EU. Good old EU. Thank you, EU. Good old EU. <laughs> old EU. Then the final thing at the end, they'd have. The, now, they had one more thing at the end, mm-hmm. which was a little bit disappointing, all right? Okay. And they went, here it is. Da da da. Mm-hmm. Big music, da, da da. Graphics and everything. Again it ring, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a galaxy ring, it's a health and fitness thing and you mm-hmm. wear it all the time and it'll do, well, we don't know because that's all they told us. <laughs> well, that's that's about it. That's a bit of a deep
2: cut because uh, on our Christmas show we talked about the Aura mm-hmm. uh, which was basically our competitor to the Whoop, I suppose. Yeah, Just a, uh, a ring that you wore, slightly clunky, uh, but recorded your data, fed it into a dashboard so you can see how you're doing, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so, Samsung doing something similar. Uh, Can I also give a shout out to the audience who I thought were wonderful and on point and noisy and stupid as ever. So very happy with that. Excellent. All right. Well, listen, there you go.
0: That's the uh, Samsung S24. Now, very quickly, because we literally only have about three minutes on this. uh, Some other stories this week. Uh, Firstly, uh, Sheryl Sandberg. Now you're kind of going, she's leaving Meta again. She's again, not leaving yeah. again. She had uh, stood down as chief operating officer but stayed on on the board. Now yeah. she has announced...
2: Yeah, now, now she's announced that she's moving on uh, proper. She's leaving Facebook in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoke very kindly about her experience on X. No, no. <laughs> she, she went on Facebook and uh, did a very long and uh, heartfelt uh, goodbye, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, because everything has to be done in public also yeah. i'm sure is drafted by his pr team um went on and uh posted similarly you know thanks for your everything over the last it's how many all, years it's all lovely dovey anyway it's all mind. very lovely dovey
0: right, yeah. other news this week uh, ireland now last year uh, we made just under 2 billion uh, in data fines okay um is big tick, tech big tick. actually? Big there tick. you go. Is they are big, a bit tick. Is, is big tech being a bit tick?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, we raised the state raised at uh, one point seven eight billion in fines uh, last year. Right, that's since January twenty twenty three. One of the main contributors, of course, was Meta uh, over the very simple. Um, thing under GDPR that you can't do mm-hmm. you cannot process EU users' data outside the EU.
0: Yeah. right. So it's a very simple rule. Very simple really rule. Really simple rule. Not yeah. hard.
2: Yeah. Uh, Facebook have data centres over here for a reason and that's how you do it. So you avoid getting fined a billion euros. Um, so uh, as we said before GDPR is such a wonderful revenue stream for the state because all of big tech have their European headquarters over here because totally not to do with our low rate of corporation tax or the fact that people speak English. Uh, I'm going to guess which one is marginally more important in that (laughs) equation. Um, So, uh, yep, big money for the state, still probably less than big tech would have paid in corporation tax. If,
0: uh, oh, <laughs>
2: Although, you know, there, there is the unified rate of corporation tax uh, uh, across everywhere, which is like 15% now, whereas we were yes. 12.5%. Yeah. So they're, they're going to be paying more anyway, which might make them sit up and go, hey, do you know what? Maybe it's not as cost effective just to keep Maybe. eating these fines. Now, the actual, in real terms, uh, fines issued across the world has gone down because we have had that sort of period where companies are getting used to what GDPR compliance looks like. Okay. So this is a number that is also going to start coming down uh, in years to come after cases are settled uh, after companies get used to what's required yeah. uh, after companies settle properly in the first place all, all that good stuff so it's it's not a it's not a bottomless pitch but
0: we had a good okay. year I have a great Apple story to wrap up with in a second but firstly Microsoft have announced this week that Copilot uh, Copilot Pro is going to be available for uh, $20 or €20 Euro per person now I know there's a thing with Copilot in the EU and yeah. it's a story that we have online uh, mm. and, and recently about it there Um, but it's kind of like I I was looking at this going Microsoft aren't really telling us what Copilot will do for you Mm -hmm. all right, or what Copilot Pro will do for you and the bit that they do say is that you can incorporate it into Word and Excel which is what I thought what Copilot was all about yeah do you know what I mean when they announced it last year it was like yay you can use it and you can use it to help you draft documents Mm -hmm. and look up and change this that and the other and it turns out no that's the Pro version (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's going to cost twenty dollars. It strikes me
2: a little bit like uh, Bixby, which was you know Samsung's previous AI, which was okay. Let's learn how you use something and let's just do that for you, so you don't have to think about it. I mean, is that all Copilot is going to be in Europe?
0: Uh, Uh, At the moment I mean there is a hack that you can because it's not available in Europe sorry it's not available in Europe to all people but it is available to some people that's what this whole article is about Yeah it's
2: enterprise users can can get uh, a co-pilot whereas you and me as regular consumers
0: cannot in the EU it's a a bit crazy but um, nevertheless anyway what I had been thinking about is the whole sales thing on it is just nuts and also they're saying that if you have Microsoft Family Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things about Microsoft families hey it's for you and your family up to six people yay brilliant and if you want to use Microsoft Pilot Pro that's brilliant no problem yeah. that'll be 20 euro per person yeah. per person per person per, per person. person that's bonkers yes exactly you know so anyway listen final story from me uh, is uh, the Boeing 737 because you know I'm a bit of an aerosexual alright so we had the uh, the Max 9 uh, which exploded in flight with Air Alaska mm-hmm. uh, well when I say exploded okay, in flight it's, uh, exploded. the door the door yeah, came out a door which wasn't even a door right um, ok
2: now you've got to explain that bit to me. All right, a door that wasn't a door
0: they, 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 I think they had it in there but because Of the type of the size of the uh, thing, it wasn't actually a functioning exit door. Okay. All right. That's my understanding. I could be completely wrong. However, all right. It was a door, it wasn't properly bolted in. And then with the pressurization, boom, uh, out it went because there were a couple of uh, loose nuts on it and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Okay. So this is at whatever 15, 20, 30,000 feet, whatever it was. Uh, The one story that I saw the day after, right, was that an iPhone. had been sucked out of that very aeroplane at 16,000 feet, fell to the ground and survived. I love that. Almost untouched and working. I love that song. Do you know what the funny thing is? Uh, What? (laughs) Legally,
2: if you wanted to find out who owned it, you can't.
0: (laughs) To verify the story. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So iPhone, uh, which came out of that uh, Boeing 737, uh, which exploded in flight, survived a 16,000 foot drop. Now that's because you see these people, uh, they're going to be doing it with the Samsung yeah. S24. They're going to be going, we've took one of the new Samsungs, we brought it up a crane, yeah. 100 feet, yeah. we dropped it. Crane. What
2: happened?
1: There I'll you give you a crane uh, and see you a passenger aircraft. There you go. Niall, thanks as always for the news. From techcentral.ie, this is the award-nominated Tech Radio from techcentral.ie. Social media has gone from a
0: novelty for college students back in the day to a way of life and a way of making money for content creators today. Mary Rose Lyons from the Institute of AI Studies has seen it all over the years and she had a chat with Niall Kitson about all things AI and social media and in particular how social media has changed our understanding of the word friendship.
2: Mary Rose, when Tech Radio started as a podcast, we were in the grip of hype over something called Web 2.0, which had very little to nothing to do with actual coding. So what made that time special and what kind of energy were we seeing that we wouldn't have seen in the 90s before when, you know, the internet was just coming together and we were getting message boards and people were chatting with the geocities
3: or whatever? GeoCities. (laughs) GeoCities. <laughs> I was never on GeoCities, just to say. Um, I think what made it different was that we're talk- if you think of Web 2.0, I remember it starting around about 2006, 2007. And the difference between it and the first stage was that the first stage was quite text-linky, uh, quite kind of technical, business-orientated, and I would almost dare to say a little bit quite male, um, whereas Web 2.0, I remember seeing designs, I can see them now, you know, these kind of like beveled edges and kind of more soft pastel colours, Um there's a lot of peaches and greens around. And it was the first time for me anyway, that I've experienced the web as being a really beautiful place. There was a lot of beautiful microsites being designed, um, and it was a really beautiful place. And that coincided with obviously the start of these kind of content communities and social media platforms, which we had we hadn't grown yet to distrust. And it was just a really lovely place. It was a place where community came together. People were meeting other people. It wasn't so male. It was quite, uh, it was quite balanced, in my experience, and uh, yeah, it was a really lovely place. So, when you talk about
2: sort of the different platforms that are out there, uh, there was sort of the the purely social ones, which grew up or grew into being Facebook as we know it, but also content groups that we now know as sort of the likes of Goodreads. So, how did those two, I suppose, wings of social media come together? Like, were there Is the kind of discourse or the the level of discourse kind of the same in both wings or have they grown into um, very different places, I suppose?
3: Good question, actually, now I think um, the content communities where people came together in these beautifully designed uh, sites, they were around a theme or a topic. So you'd have Goodreads, was around food, you know, TripAdvisor started out, you know, it was around travel and it was usually people who came together because they were passionate about a thing and it was very much about sharing sharing knowledge sharing experience in fact i did my thesis in my cyber psychology masters on what was the motive what is the motivation for people to uh, do uh, hotel reviews on tripadvisor and interestingly you will find that it wasn't to do with cuz they wanted to give out about the really bad hotel room they had it was actually all about advocacy and sharing their knowledge with people who are passionate about that thing. But as you know, the money came in and then suddenly things like TripAdvisor became a highly monetized place and it had an algorithm and it changed. And likewise with like Goodreads, I don't know about you, I actually haven't been able to get on to Goodreads in about like 12 years or so, because there's something wrong with their forgotten password feature. Um, But things like, you know, Flickr for sharing images and stuff like that, people would just browse other people's photos and leave lovely comments.
2: Mm, And and we see that these days with the likes of DeviantArt, uh, I think is a a pretty good community and and largely pretty respectful. And I I suppose the point of when did people realise that there was money in them, their social media hills, uh, I think first came along with uh, MySpace. But... MySpace didn't have a huge user base. I think at its at its peak it was around 100 million. These days you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't cross the road for a social network with fewer than a, a hun- 100 million users. ChatGPT got to 100 million in 2 months, you know. No big deal, no biggie, new levels. Yeah, and with the very um a very different mission statement, you know, very much all about the the benefit of humanity, as opposed to one serving a community or to figuring out how to monetize that community. And I think what was interesting about that time, and it's something you've you've touched upon there, is what happens when big tech gave social a go. It didn't work out
3: very well, ha. did it? Google Plus. Dun dun dun. Or IP Google Plus. It's funny. I I always pride myself on kind of being able to spot a winner, and I knew Google Plus. I never I never really did Google Plus. I remember going out and meeting someone and said just just explain to me what's Google Plus about because I just didn't see the purpose of it. And as usual with uh, with Google products, it was a little bit you know uh, designed by engineers by engineers and therefore like a little bit overbaked. So, you know, that's one that comes to my mind of a uh, a platform that wasn't.
2: That that seems to be a recurring theme, all right. Platforms that are built for engineers without that sort of concurrent eye on the ethical implications of uh, what platforms can actually do. Consequently, we see social media's big problem became moderation.
3: Um, Was that a, a ticking time bomb, do you think? I think so. I, one of the things that actually brought me a little bit of joy in recent weeks, like we've had a lot of uh, dark days rumbling in the world outside us. And there was an announcement by YouTube about uh, sometime in November, I think it was, where they were talking about how they're bringing, they're making it a requirement for the news that, Got, hit the headlines was they're making it a requirement that any content that you've created synthetically using AI you have to kind of tick box to tell people. Okay, so that's that's not news. TikTok has already done that. But what I read deeper into it was that they're now introducing AI for their community management. So a lot of you know those poor human beings who sit in a room and have to look at the absolute bile and depths of humanity and mark something as being you know inappropriate. A lot of that is now going to be done by AI. so we don't have to you know have human beings doing that. and I'm really glad about that because those jobs, they're very low paid, they're just they're insane. I think Netflix should make a documentary about you know the psych- the psychological impact on those people having to do that work.
2: There's definitely a a documentary in that, and I think there will be a generation of moderators who are will be walking around suffering from PTSD. But social media also very much has changed the way we look at our friendships and how we just interact with people. I I, I know that many a day was spent just clicking poke on Facebook, or uh, you know relationships become Facebook official or uh, it's complicated or or what have you. Do you think that kind of uh, shorthand really um, has infected society um, and kind of changed the way we looked after each other, not just sort of on the level of what you do every day, but by using these things as shorthands that eventually filtered into our regular behavior?
3: I totally agree. Like if you look at language, um, funny, that's another thing, that another subject that was covered in my cyber psychology masters. I, I feel like I'm an advertisement for it. It's good. <laughs> um, they but There's a really amazing writer called Sherry Turkle, and she studies how our language has changed over time. And it's so interesting. But, you know, the way words come from social media and they come into our normal kind of parlance and then they become just like a, nor- a normal word. And um, even just kind of the the, the language of uh, emojis, for example, is perfectly acceptable in business context now that came from social media. Um, and then there's also the kind of, you know, the hashtag people would sort of, I think it's a bit naff, like somebody would do something and say hashtag, you know, feeling all right and um, in a kind of self-deprecating way. So I think that's, I love, I love the way there's that flow between technology and the way humans engage and the way we engage in real life. Um, but I know that the kind of Gen Z generation coming up, and um, they they don't really see the kind of the, the the two different realities in the same way as us older folks do. For them, it's just there's life, um, and I think that's another really fascinating topic.
2: I think something that uh, older people, of which I I count myself as one uh, these days. Um, th- the element of discovery for new material, new books, new music, new films, whatever, um, used to be based on word of mouth, reading magazines, um, watching TV shows, find trying to find any avenue of information. Um, that's something that people really don't don't have or don't need anymore, thanks to the algorithm. Uh, do you think the algorithm has become? Uh, an aid or a limiting factor when it comes to finding new material or new ideas?
3: Well, to answer that question, I just explain how I find new books to read, for example, or new shows to watch. And it's something I've been doing in 2023. And I urge everyone listening to give this a whirl. Uh, screw the algorithm. Don't have the algorithm tell you what you're going to read, watch, do, and say, where you're going to go on holidays anymore. But instead, go over to ChatGPT or Claude or Bing or Bard or any one of these new uh, generative AI large language models. So what I like to do is to put into one of them, these. the following are my all-time favorite books. And I'll put in maybe five or six titles that I've just really enjoyed reading. And I'll say, give me a list of 10 or 12 or 15 or 100 if I want to. And there's no penalty for asking for more. Give me a list of five books that I might like. So I've done this several times this year. And when I look at the list, the first thing I I notice is that the books that it's recommending, I'll have read about 70 or 80 percent of them because they're the kind of books I like. And I have gone off and discovered new books and also new shows to watch and films on the basis of AI. So what I'm finding in my experience is that I'm having a lot more um, almost like flashbacks to the early days of the web and um, before semantic web came and pretty much all of our experience was is is pretty much based on what we've kind of come to expect. It's not like that in AI. You're still getting those kind of random crazy items. Um, particularly in the world of uh, text to video, um, when you do a text to video on, a, on an app like, say, Runway, for example, you get these—you can get these crazy-looking outputs—and um, it just delights me that that's still possible in our in our game. It hasn't been—it hasn't been ironed out yet, and hasn't been algorithmed. So, uh, yeah, f- fight the algorithm and uh, to AI. Is—is yeah, is that where that?
2: sort of mid-2000s energy for social media has now yes sort of uh, yeah. migrated to.
3: Yeah, I would say so. There's a lot of people who are probably sick and tired of it. Like, you know, the fact that, you know, Instagram is just kind of like beautiful, beautiful world. You know, TikTok is great. It's like it's a lot of fun and it can be kind of, um, it doesn't have to be as as perfect. LinkedIn is, you know, the I'm so proud. So if you don't want to be engaging in any of those spaces, um, maybe create your own space go go and uh go and have conversations with ai and learn something or or ask it questions or ask it to kind of um be your coach ask it to be your life coach ask it to critique your 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 long held ideas about a particular point in the style of uh freud or for example um have a bit of crack with it you know
2: yeah because who's watching exactly
3: well at least if you do that well you're, 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 your 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 data has obviously been trained if you're if you're not working in the let's say the incognito mode but you know I had a conversation with somebody the other day about um a particular French film and now I'm getting all these like French film recommendations on Instagram and that just really annoys me like you know it's it's taking liberties and I'm kind of sick of it now at this point whereas I'm not really getting I'm not getting answers in my in my chat GPT prompt results that are based on it listening to me on a conversation 10 minutes ago with a friend on the phone. That was Mary
0: Rose Lyons from the Institute of AI Studies, who you can find online at
1: instituteofaistudies.com. That address in the description area of our podcast. This is Tech Radio with Dusty Rhodes and Niall Kitson. That's
0: it for our show this week. Do check out some more of the other stories
1: that we have online that we didn't have time
0: to include today, including why Microsoft's co-pilot is only available to some people in the EU, why the Supreme Court is not going to hear Apple's appeal to the Epic Games lawsuit, and what percentage of jobs are going to be impacted by AI. You'll find all of those and more online at techcentral.ie. We're back again next Friday with a brand new show online and on RT Radio 1 Extra. Please do remember to share our podcast with a friend. Uh, If you think they'll like it, just tell them to look up Tech Radio Ireland on Apple, Spotify or now on YouTube as well.
1: Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson, as always, thanks for listening. Take care. Remember, you can get the latest Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters, and more at our website, techcentral.ie. Share the knowledge and invite a friend to listen. Search Apple, Spotify, or YouTube for Tech Radio Ireland or listen with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Tech Radio is produced by DustPod.io for techcentral.ie. From me, Artemis, live long and prosper.